Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Welcome back, future doctors. Today, we're going to talk about the topic of self-confidence. This topic hits really close to home for me because I spent a lot of years through college and medical school not feeling confident. I spent so much time questioning my abilities and my potential. There were so many times when I doubted whether I had what it took to become a doctor. Yet here I am today, a successful doctor. There are many things on the pre-med journey that can lead you to doubt yourself and contribute to low self-confidence got a C or a D in organic chemistry, that can be a blow to your self-confidence. Do you see other students getting better grades than you, even though they don't study as much? That can also be a blow to your self-confidence. Did you score lower than you wanted to on the MCAT? That can be another blow to your self-confidence. In my case, I got Ds and Fs in my first introductory biology courses. Was that a blow to my self-confidence? Of course it was. Dr. Zulma, thinking back to your college experiences, what was something that was a blow to your self-confidence? Can we say everything? (laughs) Uh So more specifically, in high school, I didn't do exceptionally well on my SATs. Although I had a pretty good GPA in high school, my SAT limited my opportunities when it came to the college application process. And at that time, I really thought that my SAT score was the measure of my intelligence and future. Then when I got to college, my entire first year was a blow to my self-confidence. I struggled with all of my classes. I actually failed my calculus class. And after that failure, it's when I decided I would switch majors and give up the thought of pursuing medicine. I feel that college overall is a constant test of your self-confidence. That's a good way to put it. Okay, so let's dig a little deeper about self-confidence. What is it? Why do we sometimes lack it? And what can we do to improve it? Let's dig in. Now, I should mention, I'm going to reference a lot of ideas from a book called The Confidence Gap, A Guide to Overcoming Fear and Self-Doubt by Russ Harris. He's a doctor and a therapist who struggled with self-confidence himself for much of his life, including as a medical student and resident. Luckily, Dr. Harris eventually discovered a form of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT, which helped him overcome his fear and self-doubt. And he's now a very successful doctor, therapist, and author. He shares a lot of what he learned in his book, The Confidence Gap, which we will reference in the episode description. Let's start with the simple question. What is self-confidence? Generally speaking, self-confidence refers to trusting your ability to do something or be something. For example, if you have self-confidence about your ability to play basketball, it means that you trust that you can do a pretty good job playing basketball. If you have self-confidence about your ability to speak French, you trust your ability to carry out a conversation in French. If you have self-confidence that you can become a doctor, then you trust your ability to get through those pre-med courses take the MCAT, get into medical school, and make it through all of your medical training. Now, as we've said many times on this podcast, we believe in your ability to become a doctor if that's what you want. But in order to get there, you need to believe in yourself too. We can't force you to believe in yourself. I wish I could give you a pill 
that would make you believe in yourself, but that just doesn't exist. You have to make that choice to believe in yourself and your abilities. And you have to practice that because as we'll talk about, it doesn't just happen overnight. And even when you're a practicing doctor, you'll still continue to need to practice it as well. Yes. Unfortunately, many of us are not confident in our ability to succeed in many things. But why is that? Why do we sometimes lack confidence, Dr. Marina? Well, there are many possible reasons. The first one is excessive expectations or perfectionism. Now, I am 100% guilty (laughs) of perfectionism very high expectations of myself. You know, so here's an example. Let's say you're about to take the MCAT and you really want to get a good score. If I expect to get a 520 on my MCAT on my first try, chances are I won't get the score that I want unless I'm a really, really good test taker and really brilliant. And that will make me feel bad about myself. And so maybe I won't want to try again because I just proved to myself that I couldn't do it. So we have to have realistic expectations and try to avoid too much perfectionism. I always tell my kids, there's no such thing as being perfect. So if you continue to try to be perfect, it's just never going to happen. Exactly. So I think believing in that, it's it's just something that does not exist to be perfect for anyone. Definitely. Another thing is harsh self-judgment. If we grow up being judged harshly by our parents, our teachers, our friends, then we subconsciously learn to treat ourselves the same way. Even if we don't grow up being judged harshly by others, it's pretty normal for our minds to be judgmental towards ourselves. Going back to the MCAT example, if I didn't get the score I wanted, I can spend a lot of time judging myself harshly about it, maybe telling myself that I'm not as smart as other people or will never succeed at being a doctor. But that harsh self-judgment, it really doesn't get us where we want to go. It just makes it harder. Another thing that can happen is just plain old fear. Everyone experiences fear. You don't have to be unafraid to be confident. You just have to know how to use fear in the right ways. I like to think of fear as a form of energy. And you can make the conscious decision to channel that energy in order to help you in your effort to get better at the thing that you're trying to do. Or, unfortunately, you can use that fear and that energy to just keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But you do have a choice in how you use that energy coming from fear. And really, if you ask any performer, like an actor or a musician, they're not unafraid. They get afraid too. And they'll tell you that they feel afraid. But they choose to push through that fear and maybe even channel that fear into the thing that they're trying to do. About two years ago, a friend asked me if I would go rock climbing with her. And I thought, oh, you know what? It's something I've always wanted to try. Sure, I'll go with you. And so we went to a rock climbing gym. And it was the first time I had ever done it. (laughs) And it was terrifying. I'm pretty scared of heights. So, you know, I learned how to tie the rope correctly. I learned how to put on the harness. I learned how to help her go up the wall. But then when it came time for me to go up the wall, as soon as I was like 10 feet in the air on those rocks, and I looked down a little bit, I was terrified. <laughs> and so <laughs> my hands start shaking, my body starts shaking. I'm just trying to tell myself, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall. <laughs> but I know I'm not going to fall. And even if I fall, the rope is there to catch me. But still, my brain was just very afraid. So I had to just focus. Okay, I'm afraid, but I'm going to put that energy into just 
pulling myself up to the next rock and pulling myself up to the next rock and don't look down, don't look down because that's going to make you more afraid. But yeah, that was an interesting experience because I was very afraid. And after that time, um, she asked, oh, you know, it was fun. Um, it's nice having a partner for rock climbing because my other friends can't always do it. So you want to come back? <laughs> and so I was like, um, do I really want to come back? <laughs> but I told myself, you know what, this is actually kind of fun if I can just get past that fear. And I knew that the more I practiced, the less afraid I would be. So I did actually go back a couple of times. And then COVID hit and I haven't been back <laughs> since then because of my germophobia. But eventually I do plan to go back and try to get a little bit better. Dr. Zulma, is there anything that you're really afraid of? Yes, I'm really afraid of public speaking, believe it or not. And I know everyone listening may not believe this because here I am speaking on a public platform where many are listening. I actually get palpitations before I record even this podcast. When I speak in front of a group or do anything on media, I have lately been doing news media coverage about COVID on a local news media outlet. And every time, I kid you not, I swear I want to talk myself out of it the day of and go and hide. I'm actively, though, challenging this fear of believing in myself that I don't look and sound like what my brain is trying to tell me and that I do not have to be perfect. And, you know, it's okay if I make a mistake because then I can just get better each time. I love that. Yeah. I I don't know a single person that I've ever met that is not afraid of public speaking. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things that most of us are afraid of. But I love that you're pushing through that fear and you're accomplishing a lot of good by doing that. Yeah. And I think that's you, you sometimes will find that one thing that makes you push through with it and say here locally, it's really to help um, the Latino community because it's a, a Spanish news media outlet. And I know that getting through my jitters, I'm doing it for the greater good. And I think that's what pushes me to just do it, regardless of my sweaty palms and my heart that's beating fast. And, you know, just giving myself that space that, you know, if you if you make a mistake, it's fine. I mean, it's okay just not to be perfect. Exactly. Another thing that can get in the way of our self-confidence is basically just lack of experience or skill. I was recently talking to two college freshmen who I'm mentoring, and they were having a hard time with their chemistry course. They had both struggled a lot in the class, and they actually ended up dropping it. One of them told me, I don't really think of myself as good at science. I'm good at other things like dancing, but I'm not naturally good at science. And I looked at her and I asked her, how many hours of your life do you think you've spent dancing? And she looked at me with a little bit of a look of realization and said, uh, I guess a lot of hours. If I were to count them up over the course of my life, I've danced a lot. And I said, now how many hours of your life have you spent practicing chemistry problems? And she laughed. <laughs> and <laughs> my point there was that none of us are simply born being really good at chemistry. I pointed out that some of the students in her class who were better than her at chemistry probably had way more experience with chemistry than her. Maybe they took a few chemistry courses in high school. Maybe they took AP chemistry and the AP test. Maybe their mom was a chemist. Like, who knows, you know? But the point is that you shouldn't just think of yourself as naturally good at something or naturally bad at something. Really, 
anyone who's good at anything has a lot, a lot of hours of practice behind that talent or that skill. So again, let's not let that get in the way of our self-confidence. We just have to realize that it's going to take practice just like it did anybody else. Dr. Zuma, looking back on your education, what were some of the things that made it difficult to have confidence in yourself? You know, Dr. Marina, I I actually had a very low self-esteem physically and mentally. Physically, I felt like I had these beautiful sisters and gorgeous cousins, and I was kind of that black sheep. And then this actually translated to my self-worth and confidence in my academics as well. Even though I was doing well, since I already didn't feel good about myself physically, it was hard to feel fully confident about myself and my academics as well. Then just to add to that, I looked very different than many students in my science and math college classes. I also used slang when I spoke in college and thought that that equated to not being looked at as a smart person. I didn't know how to speak like my peers did, and I felt like I just stood out more too. So that obviously affected how confident I felt. So I think overall, it was just an accumulation of things related to my identity and my mental health that really impacted my confidence in school. Yeah, like you point out, confidence isn't just about our academic abilities. A lot of us have confidence related to our physical being. I think for women, especially, it's hard because, you know, we're held to such high standards. We're supposed to be a certain size. We're supposed to wear makeup. We're supposed to have a certain type of hair. And that's just like, nobody can meet those expectations. But men experience it too more and more, I think, in our society. Mm -hmm. But thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think it's important to bring it up because it will translate into your academic and college life as well and how you handle certain situations. So again, as we've said earlier, just, you know, if you're having those low self-esteem issues or even a little depression, anxiety is just asking help. So you can kind of just make sense of the whole situation. So there's also something called confidence gap that Dr. Harris refers in his book, right, Dr. Marina? It can cause us to get stuck when it comes to developing more self-confidence. What is this confidence gap? The confidence gap is caused by the following false belief. I have to feel confident before I achieve my goals. Again, this confidence gap is caused by this belief. I have to feel confident before I achieve my goals. That is not true. That's why it's a false belief. In reality, if we wait until we feel confident before we do something, then we will never do it. Let's say that you want to ask someone out on a date but you don't have much confidence in yourself because you think you're unattractive or boring or whatever. If you wait until you don't feel those things, then you are never going to ask anyone out and you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities to go on dates. The true belief is that actions of confidence come first and the feelings of confidence come later. So again, the actions come first and then the feelings. I have a story to share about this point. During my second year of medical school, I failed an exam and I was given the chance to retake it the following week. However, instead of retaking a paper exam, it was going to be an oral exam, meaning that there would be two faculty members asking me questions directly and I would have to answer the questions verbally. I was also allowed to use a whiteboard to write things out if I needed. Well, I was pretty nervous being put in the spotlight like that. 
but the oral exam ended up going pretty well and I passed. Afterward, one of the faculty members who also happened to be the Dean of Admissions and had known me for a while congratulated me and said to me, you know, Marina, I can tell you know the material well and you are very capable. You just need to be more confident. Now, in that moment, I didn't really know how to respond to that. I basically just thanked her for her time and I breathed a huge sigh of relief that I had passed. But when I left, I started to reflect on that comment. You just need to be more confident. What was I supposed to do to be more confident? Was there a magic potion, a magic pill I could take that would make me more confident? Was there an affirmation I could repeat to myself to make me more confident? After all, I had failed and I had to retake an exam actually a few exams in medical school. And every time I failed an exam, it was like the medical school was telling me, you can't do this, or the tests were telling me. It took every ounce of persistence and courage I had to pick myself up and try again. Walking into that oral exam that day, I was not feeling at all confident. I had done my best to prepare, and I was determined to do my best. But if you could have seen inside my mind that day, there was definitely a lot of fear and doubt. Would the questions be harder than the ones on the original test? What if I failed? Would I be given another chance? What if I was kicked out of medical school? But even though I was feeling all of those things, the opposite feelings of self-confidence, I went ahead and I tried. I studied, I showed up for the exam, and I did my best. The action of confidence came before the feeling. As it turns out, the fact that I passed that test and the fact that my dean made that comment helped me to feel a little bit more confident. Here was a prominent faculty member who had seen me have to perform in the spotlight and had told me that I was capable. Unfortunately, telling someone that they just need to be more confident, however, isn't all that helpful. Dr. Zulma, did you ever have to forge ahead and do something even though you did not feel confident about it at all? Honestly, Dr. Marina, I think this has been the case in every decision I have made in my life and every test I have ever taken. I have never, ever walked into a test feeling confident, still until today, because as doctors, you still have to take exams. I had to do medical school and residency presentations to very large groups where there were exceptionally smart doctors. There was absolutely no confidence before doing those presentations. I wanted to run and hide, but I had to do it. (laughs) But as you stated earlier, I had to persist with the action of confidence before the feeling. I will tell you, though, after each test or presentation, I still did not have the feeling of confidence. The feeling of confidence would come after a very respected faculty would come up to me personally to congratulate me and give me good feedback or after I saw that I passed the exam. And as you're talking about this as well, it just reminds me of residency. If you were to wait to do residency until you felt comfortable, that's just nearly impossible You really are forced into this action. And I recall my first year of residency that a lot of the doctor teachers said the confidence won't come until your third year. So it's like a great example of faking it till you make it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I love that you bring up that quote because the first time I heard that was in medical school. Just fake it till you make it, people would say. Fake it till you make it. And that kind of bugged me at first because I thought it meant that you're just supposed to pretend you know things that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, can be dangerous. But I think what it really is trying to say is this exact thing we're talking about, that sometimes you just have to push through your fear and you just have to do something even though you don't feel confident. 
just do it. And once you do it enough times, you will eventually start to feel confident. Yes, agree. So here's the money question, Dr. Marina. How can we develop greater self-confidence? Okay. First of all, realize, like we always say, confidence isn't something you develop overnight. Just like most things in life, it takes intentional practice over a long period of time. Growth mindset, growth mindset, growth mindset, (laughs) like you probably are tired of hearing about. In addition to time, developing confidence takes practice. More specifically, it requires that we practice having successful experiences. Let me clarify what I mean. I have a story from high school. When I was in high school, I was a naturally really shy person, but I wanted to get better at public speaking, so I decided to join the mock trial team. I was given the role of pre-trial attorney, which meant that I had to give an opening speech that was about five to ten minutes long. I carefully wrote out the speech, and I practiced it over and over until I had it memorized. During practices after school, I would practice giving the speech in front of my mock trial team. At first, it was really embarrassing and really hard. I would mess up my lines and have to look down at my cheat sheet. My palms and my forehead and my armpits would get sweaty talking in front of the group. I'm sure I was, objectively speaking, pretty awful at first. Now, I could have easily given up and just said, you know what, this is too hard, I quit. But I really wanted to get better at public speaking, and I was actually inspired by some of the other students who were a year above me and who seemed to be really good at it because they had been doing this for a while. So I kept going to practices, I kept giving my pretrial speeches in front of the team, and I went to competitions where I applied my skills in front of an even bigger audience and judges. Now, did I become the best public speaker in the world? Absolutely not. I still struggle in some ways with public speaking. But because I forced myself to get out of my comfort zone and practice, 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 I got better than I would have been if I had not done that. The truth is, like I said, I still get nervous speaking in public today, but I remind myself that I can push myself to do things even if I'm afraid and even if I'm not perfect. And in fact, the more I do them, the better and more confident I will get. Dr. Zulma, can you think of a time that you had to practice something over and over again to become more confident at it? Yeah, so every time before I'm going to be interviewed for some form of of a media outlet, I practice over and over again before the recording actually happens. Initially, I felt like a fool looking at myself in the mirror while practicing, but the reality is the more and more I do it, it allows me to feel more confident. I had to be aware even of my facial expressions, not only the words that I would be using. And then as well, I was a dancer for a large part of my life. So in order to get good at a performance, we, we would practice so many months and for many, many hours doing it over and over again until it was good. Understanding the role of being a dance performer, I have come to see that the, a lot of the challenging experiences are very similar in this way. I have to practice over and over again until I get it right. Not perfect, but when it's good enough. Exactly. I really like what you say to your children. (laughs) There is no such thing as perfect. If we're striving for perfect, you know, we're rarely going to get there. But we just have to be okay with good enough and a little better, a little better, a little better, because that's how progress happens. So in the book, The Confidence Code, Dr. Harris talks about what he calls the confidence cycle. And the confidence cycle has four stages. First, you practice the skills. Second, you apply them effectively. Third, you assess the results. And fourth, 
and final, you modify them as needed. Now you can sort of repeat this cycle as needed. So here's an example. We talk a lot about chemistry, <laughs> and this is intentional because chemistry is one of the weeder courses for pre-med students. Studies have shown that it's chemistry and organic chemistry that cause a lot of pre-med students to give up their goal of being a doctor because they struggle, and they interpret that to mean, I'm just not cut out to be a doctor. But I, we don't want that to happen to you. So we talk a lot about chemistry. So this in this example, in a chemistry class, if you want to get more confident about your ability to master chemistry, you have to do these steps. So first, practice the skills. You have to study hard. You have to do a lot of practice problems. You have to read your textbook. You have to quiz yourself. Maybe work in a group and practice teaching each other the concepts. All of those study skills that we've talked about in past episodes. Second, you have to apply the skills effectively. When you take tests, you are getting practice at applying your chemistry knowledge and skills. You'll probably take many tests over the semester or the quarter, and you can think of this as practice applying the skills you practice while studying. Remember, growth mindset, like we always say, your grades don't define you. So even though these tests are practice at applying them, you are going to get those grades, but don't let them get you down. Just keep thinking, okay, if I work a little harder, if I change things up, I can get better. Third step, assess the results. So what was your grade? What did you get right and what did you get wrong? Again, this is not a judgment of you as a person or your potential, just of your chemistry skills at one point in time. And then number four, modify as needed. How can you improve your studying and your practice the next time around so that you do a little bit better? And then again, you repeat this cycle before your next exam, the new material, you practice skills, you apply the skills effectively, you assess the results and modify as needed and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I like it. Just like cooking or baking, right? You get a recipe, yep. not come out the right the first time, but you just don't stop eating and stop cooking. You try uh -huh. again. <laughs> exactly. I love that analogy. So Dr. Marina, do you think 100% self-confidence is a good thing? There are some things for which you'll never achieve complete confidence. In fact, the vast majority of things you will never become 100% confident about. And that, I think, can actually be a good and healthy thing. So an example I'll give you is surgeons. So surgeons can never be 100% confident that their procedure or the surgery they're going to be doing will work. Because in reality, there are a lot of things that can go wrong and every person is different. In fact, as a doctor, I never tell my patients that I'm 100% confident about something because it's just not possible to be 100% confident given the complexity of the human body and the limits of our medical knowledge. Even a lot of tests that we do, a lot of, you know, for example, we have a flu test or a COVID-19 test. I do tell patients, you know, this is pretty reliable, but it's not 100%. There have been patients who test negative for COVID-19 and they actually do have it. So we, you know, nothing, even like objective scientific tests, very few things can be 100% confident in reality. That makes me think of even just, you know, there is not one person in this world that can say, I'm going to get in my car and I'm 100% confident that I will not get in a car accident. You just can't say that. So that's the same idea. Right. Yeah. In my opinion, one of the most dangerous traits a doctor can have is overconfidence. 
So if a doctor is telling their patients, oh, I'm sure this is what you have, or I'm sure this is going to work. Like, I mean, there are better ways to say that. Like, this is very likely, or as far as we know, as far as we can tell, this is what's going on. But if you encounter ever encounter a doctor who is overconfident or is too sure of himself or herself, that's a little bit of a red flag. And as, a, as future doctors, we don't want you to be overconfident. We don't want you to be 100% confident. We just want you to be confident enough to do a good job. And we definitely think that all of you can achieve that level of confidence that you need to become a doctor. Well said. So if you're worried that you will never be 100% confident in anything, just relax. Nobody really is. And that's a good thing. Well, that's all we have for you today. We hope you learned a thing or two that will help you continue on your way to becoming more self-confident. To quickly recap, one, there are many things that can get in the way of becoming confident, including perfectionism, harsh self-judgment, fear, and lack of experience. Try to understand what's getting in your way so you can help overcome it. Two, you have to act confident before you feel confident meaning that you will never feel confident until you force yourself to take action to get better at something. Three, self-confidence, like so many things in life, is all about practice, practice, practice. And fourth, don't worry if you never get to 100% self-confidence. It's probably a good thing. Thank you for tuning in. If you are enjoying this podcast, please remember to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok to stay informed about new episodes and other fun stuff. We would love to hear from you, what you like about the show, what you don't, and what you would like to hear more about. You can contact us through our website at www.futureminoritydoctor.com by clicking on the Contact Us tab. Also, if you like our show and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation of any amount. Even a dollar helps. These donations help pay for our website, recording services, and podcast editing. Please note that you must be 18 years or older to donate. If you're not in a position to donate, do not worry and please keep listening. A huge shout out to my brother, Sam Capella, who edits our podcast every week. Thank you, Sam. Until next time, future doctors. Peace and love.